So the question that's probably on some of your minds, but I'm going to ask it publicly, is this. How many of us are completely prepared for Christmas? Raise your hand really high. Now for the vast, vast majority of us, let's raise our hands. Look around you. You know what my confession is this morning? Is the only Christmas present I have purchased so far is one for me. It's true. And I gave it to my daughter and I said, don't tell your mother and give this to me for Christmas. She said, job well done, Dad. That made her life very easy. What we're doing as a church family, we are journeying together throughout the Christmas story. And the Christmas story is an incredible, incredible story. It's a story that literally draws us in. And as I was thinking about several months before Christmas, just kind of what the theme would be for Christmas this year, because there are literally only two Gospels that mention the birth of Jesus. We're going to read from both this morning. But there's not a ton of material there if you're looking for a, a subject or a topic. But as we were thinking about, and our staff was praying about specifically, Callie and I, our worship pastor and I, we were kind of praying about what the theme would be. We came up with the idea of God bringing peace in the middle of chaos. And with that, we were kind of drawn to the word shalom, which is a Hebrew word that means peace. And if you've ever been around Jewish people, they say shalom when they greet each other. They say shalom when they part from each other. And there's this sentiment biblically that in the Bible, shalom describes the actions that lead to a state of soundness or wholeness. And the truth be told is there's something about the Christmas story that draws us in. And if you read the stories that are found in Matthew and Luke through faith, there's just something about the birth of Jesus that draws us into a place of peace. What I want to do this morning is I want us to take a rather brief journey through what I would call a tale of three angels. Last week, the teaching that I brought was called a tale of three kings, and this morning, I would like for us to be drawn into the Christmas story through three episodes where angels appeared to Mary or Joseph or to the shepherds and explained something about Jesus that is critical for us to know. Now, as we're looking at the story of the birth of Jesus, and we're looking at a tale of three angels, we're going to begin in the logical place. We're going to begin looking at an encounter that Jesus, I'm sorry, Mary has with an angel. It's when the angel comes to her and announces the Christmas plan to her. And so as we jump into this story, I'm going to ask with me if you would grab your Bibles or your smartphones and turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. As you're turning there, I would really encourage you, if you have not already on your smartphone, to download the YouVersion Bible app. It's an incredible Bible app that's funded by one of the largest churches in the U.S. They literally put millions and millions of dollars into this app every year. One of the reasons why I'm stressing it, though, is that through the YouVersion Bible app, 
You can actually go in the bottom right-hand corner. There's a list tab. You can hit that. You can go to the live tab once that page opens. And when you hit live, you can just put in the zip code 22901. And what you'll find is that City Church pops up. Once you've done that from now on, once you've done that effort, and you hit the live page, City Church will pop up, and all of my sermon notes, all of the announcements, links to different things to City Church will be right there, and it's current, it gets uploaded every single Sunday morning. So I really want to encourage all of us at City Church to, if you have a smartphone, to please utilize that. But as we take a look together at a tale of three angels, how I want us to read this is though God by his grace, is allowing us to eavesdrop on three conversations that angels have with people who are central and critical to the story of the birth of Jesus. What we're going to do from each episode is I'm going to pull out one thing that I would like us to know that I believe God wants us to know as we are just days away from celebrating again the birth of Christ. So the first episode is Mary and the angel. And the phrase that I would like us to focus on as we're getting ready to read is the phrase that says, his kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. I'm going to read the scriptures for us. You could read along or listen. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Can we repeat that phrase together? Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Let's repeat that phrase together. His kingdom will never end. Now, I have a question. How many of us in here have ever brought children into the world? Raise your hand. Really high. Now, put your hand down. How many of us that have brought children into the world knew the gender of the child through an ultrasound before the child was born? Raise your hand. Now, how many of us in here did not know the sex or the gender of the child before the child was born and you did the self-inspection method? Raise your hand. My wife and I, did not know the sex of either three of our, any of the three of our children. She said she wanted to know. I said, I love surprises. I don't want to know. But I gave her permission. I said, if you would like to go through the ultrasound and know that's fine, just don't tell me. She said, I could never do that. I could never keep it. I would just have, and I said, well, it's up to you. But I am totally into the self-inspection method. 
and I really don't want to know. So she never knew either. That's how much she loves me. Thank you. (laughs) But what we're looking at is the first ultrasound ever. We're looking at a divine ultrasound where God comes to Mary and says this, you will give birth to a son. You are to name him Jesus. And this son that's going to be born is going to fulfill a scripture, Mary, that you're very, very familiar with. It's a scripture from the book of Isaiah. It's a scripture that every Jewish person during the time of Christ had been reading and praying over and memorizing and trusting God for because when Mary met the angel, all of Israel was oppressed by the Roman Empire and they were longing for and praying for and crying out to God for a deliverer who would come and would set them free. In the passages that we read every single Christmas, from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, are those verses, those prophetic verses written 750 years before Jesus was born that every Jewish person was drawn to during the time of Christ. And here's what they say. Here's how they read. I'm going to read them for you. But as I read them, I'd like you to remember verses 32 and verses 33 that you just read from the gospel that the angel announced to Mary about her son. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. You can check that one off. And the government will be on his shoulders. You can check that one off. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The angel had told her his name would be Jesus. Reading on, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. You can check that one off. Because the angel had said to Mary, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants, and his kingdom will never, ever end. Reading on, it says, he will reign on David's throne. That's exactly what the angel said to Mary. And over David's kingdom, establishing establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Can you imagine, Mary, when the angel comes to her And says, your son is going to establish a brand new kingdom. And when he does, his kingdom will never end. Can you imagine what must have gone through the heart of Mary? I can't. She would have known these scriptures from Isaiah. She would have known instantly that the angel was referencing the prophecies found in Isaiah. And the angel says to her, This is who your son will be. Can you even imagine what must have gone through the heart of Mary? But you know, beyond just a divine ultrasound, where she was told that she would give birth to a son, all of this stuff about her son was prophesied to her. But the one that strikes me the richest for us this morning, the one that strikes me for those of us that call City Church our home is this, 
and of his kingdom, there will be no end. You know why that's exciting to me? It's true. It's absolutely true. Because you're sitting here, and I'm sitting here, and for over 2,000 years, Christians have gathered together to celebrate again the birth of Jesus. What the angel said to Mary is absolutely true. His kingdom will never end, and it hasn't. You're the apologetic for that. You and I sitting here, we are the proof of that that his kingdom would never end. And I want you to notice what the prophet Isaiah said, and the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. How in the world could a woman born out of, who is pregnant out of wedlock, totally impoverished, oppressed by the Roman Empire, how could she have ever been able to envision and understand exactly what the angel meant? She was a servant to and oppressed by the Roman Empire, the most powerful kingdom that had ever ruled and reigned on the earth. And yet the angel says that what will be conceived in her will outlast, outlive, and dominate even the Roman Empire. And so you and I sit here in this auditorium and we are proof that what the angel said is true. His kingdom, of his kingdom, and his peace, there will be no end. The next episode that I would like for us to look at deals with Mary's future husband, Joseph. We find that Joseph as well has an angelic visitation. And we pick up his story in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. So if you would turn with me to the very beginning of the Newer Testament, Matthew chapter 1. And the phrase that I would like for us to focus on is this phrase. His name will be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. Matthew 1.18 reads as follows. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Can we say that phrase together? Ready? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he, he, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Again, the phrase that I would like us to focus on is the phrase that says this, they shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, I have another question. How many of us sitting here, you have a name that you were named, and your name has special meaning? When you think of your name, you know why you were named that, and there's meaning behind it. Raise your hand really high. Come on, be loud and proud. Raise it high. How many of you are like me, and your parents still can't tell you why you were named what you were named? Raise your hand. See, most of us, many of us, have meaning behind our names. My middle name is Donald. Peter, Do well, people always laugh when you say that. I don't understand why. But my name is Peter Donald Hartwig. The reason why I'm named Donald is that's my father's brother's name, Donald, and I was named after him. But I asked my parents once, why did you name me Peter? And they said, we have no idea, none whatsoever. But when you look at Christ's name, when you look at the name of Jesus, it's amazing to me that the angel told Mary, name him Jesus. And then the angel that comes to Joseph says the same thing. And he says, listen to Joseph. Through again the divine ultrasound. Mary is with child. It's going to be a boy. And Joseph, as his father, when you are tempted to name him after you. By the way, the smartest people, the smartest men on God's green earth, name their sons after themselves. By the way, my son's name's Peter. That's why I'm saying that. But Joseph would have been tempted to name him after himself. It was a family name. It's similar to my wife's family. My wife comes from a full-blown Italian family. If you go into one of their family reunions, which are an absolute blast, or you go to one of their weddings, it's just so much fun. And there's Italian food there, which... Jesus ate Italian food, I'm convinced of it, because it's so good. But when you go to one of those family get-togethers of my wife's family, there's like 30 Charlies, because the great-grandfather was named Charlie. If you go, hey, Charlie, like 30 guys, look, no joke. And the other one is Joey. It's really Joseph, but they say Joey. And you go, hey, Joey, and like 50 of them turn and look at you because that's the family name. The angel comes to Mary and says, his name will be Jesus. And then the angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, Mary, the one you're engaged to, what's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, take her home. When the baby's born, name him Jesus. Can you imagine the mind-blowing conversation that Mary and Joseph must have had? 
Can you even imagine when Joseph comes to get her and says, Mary, Mary, I was going to divorce you, but I've changed my mind. Come on, we're going to head to my father's house because that's what would have happened. Joseph, when he was engaged to Mary, would have run off to his dad's house and built a room on it. And when the room was completed, he would have come back and gotten Mary to come and be with him. And he shows up to see Mary, 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 I was going to divorce you, but I've changed my mind. Why, Joseph? What made you change your mind? Well, Mary, because that whole Holy Spirit thing you told me, I believe you now. Angel told me. But not only this, Mary, you know what's in your womb? He goes, yeah, son. How do you know? Angel told me. The angel told me too. And Mary, guess what we're going to name him? Joseph, we're going to name him Jesus. How do you know that? Angel told me. Can you imagine them meeting at Starbucks and having this conversation? It would be mind-blowing. Truth of it is, it's supposed to be mind-blowing. The angel of God comes to Joseph and says, you're to name him Jesus. But you see, for Joseph... The angel tells him why. For he will save his people from their sins. You see, I'm going to read something for us. But here's what biblical scholars tell us. The name Jesus is an anglicized form of the Greek name Jesus. Found in the New Testament, which represented the Hebrew Bible name Yeshua. Yeshua, in turn, was a shortened form of the name Yahoshua, which is what we pronounce Joshua. Yahoshua is a compound name consisting of two elements. The prefix is Yeho. It's an abbreviation for the four letters that make up the name of God. We pronounce that Yahweh. The second part of that compound name that is makes up Yeshua or Joshua is Yasha, which means to deliver, to save, or to rescue. Therefore, linguistically, the name Yehoshua, Yeshua, or Jesus conveys the idea that God delivers, God saves. And so when Mary and Joseph go to name Jesus, they do so knowing full well what the name means. They hold that little baby, and when they name him, they name him God saves. That's what they name him. And as we look at this story, it tells us so clearly that in Matthew 1.21, the angel comes to Joseph and says, Hey, Joseph, when you name him, name him that God delivers, God saves, God sets his people free. One of the reasons why this is so key, we're not going to read it, but if you were to read Matthew chapter 1, you would discover that there's this incredible lineage The purpose for the lineage is to let you and I know that Jesus is a descendant of David, therefore fulfilling the prophecies that we read in the Older Testament. But if you were to read Jesus' family tree, you would find four women that are listed in his family tree. Most Jewish genealogies never list women. 
But these four women that are listed are all women filled with scandal. You don't have Sarah or Rebecca, the famous Jewish matriarchs from the Older Testament. What you have instead in the family tree of Jesus is Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and the wife of Uriah. You see, when you look at them, and if you were to read the biblical accounts of them, all of them are involved with sexual immorality. Tamar seduced her father-in-law. Rahab was a prostitute who hid the spies that came into Jericho as they were checking out the promised land. You've got Ruth, who was part of the, of the Moabite people. Their origins are involved with incest. And then you've got the child that was born to Uriah's wife, who was conceived as a result of an adulterous affair with King David. Isn't it incredible that when you look at the lineage of Jesus, it says, the angel says to Joseph, Joseph, listen to me. Listen to me, Joseph. You're going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And when we read the genealogy of Jesus, we see sinners popping up left and right. Now listen, if you were to think about a group of people who were known as sinners that needed saving, you would think about the next group of people, the final group of people that we're going to look at as we consider the third episode when the angel appears to a group of people. This group of people are known as shepherds. In Jesus' day, they would be viewed like modern-day gypsies. They were outcasts from culture and society. If you met a shepherd, you would check your wallet as you walked away. They were so scorned that in that culture, they were not allowed to testify in the court of law. And yet we pick up an episode, the final episode, where the angel comes to a group of shepherds, and let's read about this quickly in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. Here's what the Bible tells us about this third and final angelic visit. It says, and the shepherds were living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, can we repeat the next phrase together, please? Let's read it out loud. Ready? Do not be afraid. Reading on, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Shepherds, here's good news for everyone, all people. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And then this is the phrase that I want us to think about as we look at this final episode. This will be a sign to you. Shepherds, this will be a personal sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, on earth shalom. On earth shalom to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, 
The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. This is the third and final episode around Christmas where the angel comes to deliver some news. But the Bible tells us that the angel announces to them, this will be a sign to you. When you look at this, you discover that Jesus is wrapped in clothing and they find him lying in a manger just like the angel had said. I want you to think about this. When the angelic hosts breaks the thin layer between heaven and earth, the angelic host does not go to the king of the Jews. The angelic host does not go to people or someone in the temple. The angelic host finds a group of outcasts who know culturally and religiously they don't belong. And the angel comes to them and says, listen, when you find this baby, this will be a sign to you that this baby was born and placed in a manger the same way that you do with your children. What affirmation is that? What incredible identification and affirmation the shepherds felt. I read something, actually I watched something on YouTube recently that kind of struck my heart cord. It was posted by a friend on Facebook. I'm going to utilize it to illustrate this point before we close. But in this YouTube video, there was an individual that lived in a large neighborhood and he was deaf. And unbeknownst to him, all of his neighbors and the vast majority of the people that knew him without him knowing went and took sign language classes. And so all of them went and they learned how to sign and read sign language and learned how to do that and it took a lot of time and a lot of effort. But this YouTube video shows his response when all of his friends and his family and his neighbors approach him and they're doing sign language to him. And it shows in the video how he literally comes unglued and begins to sob and he begins to cry. The reason is, is because he knows how much effort that took. He recognizes that these people out of love for him are identifying with him in his brokenness and in his disability. And that incredible effort and that identification with his struggle brought him to tears. I have to admit I wept just a little bit, but I got it together very, very quickly before the video was over. You see, when the angel comes to the shepherds and says, this will be a sign to you, you're going to find this baby born and placed in a major the same way that you do with your children. As we look at this story of Christmas, the angels say three things that are key for us. The kingdom will never end. That's why we're sitting here. He will save his people from their sins. That's why we're sitting here. And then this will be a sign to you. That's why we're sitting here. Because the birth of Jesus is a sign to all humankind that God has identified with us, not in our strength, but in our brokenness, in our disabilities, and in our sins. We can't help but to look into this crib and the cradle again and see the birth of Jesus and understand how much God loves us and identifies with us as he comes 
in the form of a baby. The last thing, though, before we take communion together is the one phrase that the angel said in all three episodes. He said it to Mary, he said it to Joseph, and he said it to the shepherds. And it's this phrase, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. What I want to say to you is if you're a person that's racked with fear, I'm going to challenge you while we take communion, please bring your fearfulness to Christ. Everyone that met the angel heard this announcement, do not be afraid. My son explained to me last night that this is the most repeated command in all of Scripture. Do not be afraid. And what I have found, and my prayer is that you will find as you bring your fearfulness to Christ, that somehow, some way, through the birth of Jesus, you will find freedom from your fears like you could have never, ever dreamt. And the reason why you will is because of this. His kingdom will never end. He came to save his people from their sins. And this will be a sign to you that he and he alone can take away our fear. Let's stand together as we close. At this time, we're going to close by taking communion. If you're standing or you're seated and you did not receive the communion elements, there are people that will be picking up the trays and coming down the aisles now. All you'll have to do is kind of wave to them. They'll start down front and move back up the aisle. If you need help opening the communion cups, just ask someone around you. They'll help you. But as we take communion together, I'd like for us to remember, again, the three things that the angel said. His kingdom will never end. That's why we're holding the communion together. He will save his people from their sins. That's the purpose for communion. And do not be afraid as God, very personally, will bring you a sign. As we stand in God's presence, I'd like for us again to take communion. But this time, what I'm going to ask from the Lord is that through the power of Christ, we would be delivered from our fear. That as you hold this cup, you would have the assurance of who Christ is and what he came to do. Now, the Bible's clear that before we take communion, we're supposed to confess our brokenness and confess our sin. As you do that, know that Christ came in the flesh to identify with our brokenness and our sinfulness. And so as we hold the bread together, we hold it before the Lord. Know this, that what the angel said, what the angel said to Joseph is true for you and me. What he said to the shepherds is true for you and me. This will be a sign to you that he has come to save his people from their sins. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we hold up this bread, we hold it as the emblem of your body that you truly did come as a baby in a manger. 
And in that, we hold the bread before you. And we ask that as we partake together, that our faith would be strengthened. That it would be said of us that we would experience personally that there is a kingdom that he established that has never ended. And that through his broken body and his shed blood, he has come to save us from our sins. So Jesus, in this moment, we confess our sin. We confess our brokenness. But we also confess our fear to you. And we receive and believe what the angel said. Do not be afraid. So Lord, as we now partake together, I pray not only to your broken body, would you bring healing to our physical bodies, but to your broken body that our fears would be swept away. Let's partake together. The Bible goes on to tell us that the bread is the symbol of Christ's broken body and the cup is the symbol of his shed blood. Jesus announced at that last supper, this cup is the covenant in my blood. Drink it together is what he commands us. But as we hold this cup up before the Lord, let's remember again that Christ came and his kingdom has not ended. That Christ came and his blood was shed for the remission of our sins. And that his blood was shed as he identified with our sufferings and our brokenness. And that his blood was shed. And in that, we have strength to overcome our fears. Jesus, thank you for your shed blood that covers our sins. What the angel prophesied to Joseph is true. That your name is Jesus, God saves. And as we hold this cup together and we ponder again your birth, we confess that our sins are forgiven through faith in you and what you've done for us. Let's drink the cup together. Callie's going to lead us in a Christmas hymn. But as she does, before you sing, what I'd like for us to do the first time through as she begins, just listen as this Christmas hymn is sung. Keep your eyes closed. And as you do so, just remember again the promise of God. Do not be afraid. God is with us. Do not be afraid. Let's listen as the worship team leads us. Oh, holy night, the star brightly shining it is the night of our dear Savior's birth long lay the world in sin and error binding till he A new and glorious morning. 
to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. God is awesome. Christmas is awesome. And what the angels said to those three individuals 2,000 years ago is still true today. We're going to close out our time in prayer. What we like to do at City Church is, is if you have needs in your life, I'd invite you to come forward. We have a prayer team that will be up front to pray with you and to pray for you. I want to encourage you if you're an individual that struggles with fear. Don't exit this auditorium without coming forward for prayer. Invite God into the midst of that. There's a reason why constantly in the scriptures, the gospels tell us and the Older Testament tells us, don't be afraid. God's with us. As we close out our time, I'm really encourage you to remember that God is with us. It's a sign to you. He has come to save his people from their sins and his kingdom will never end. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for the incredible stories that we get to read that bring us into shalom, into a peace that we cannot manufacture with our human strength. Let it sink into our souls that this is a sign to me. This is a sign to the entire human race. God is with us, God in the flesh. That he's this God whose kingdom will never end. And he has come to save us from our sins. Therefore, we do not need to be afraid. And now may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord cause his peace to be upon us. And may he be with us until we meet again. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Before you exit, turn, give someone a hug. We'll see you on Christmas Eve.
things have passed away Your love has stayed the same Your constant grace remains the cornerstone The things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again. You caused your sun to shine on darkest night. For all that you've done, we will pour out a love this will be. Our anthem song, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one in our hearts to adore. The hopeless have found.
Oh. Uh-huh.